0: A good question today. What is the difference between justification and sanctification? And how do they relate to each other? Well, welcome to uh, Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you who are so wise? A viewer wants some clarity on the differences between justification and sanctification and how they relate to each other. Well, this is a great question and it's an important one for Christians. So let's start with definitions. How does the Bible define justification? Well, I'm going to actually quote from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. I think it's a good definition. Justification, he says, is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he first thinks of our sins as forgiven, and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us, and second, declares us to be righteous in his sight. Now, the word for justification comes from the courts of law. Now, we can see this in Paul's statement from Romans, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? So the opposite of condemnation is justification. Someone has declared a person not guilty. That's justification. Or guilty, and that's condemnation. So when sinners come to Christ in repentance and faith, they are declared by God to be justified. That is not guilty, but righteous. Now the operative word here is important. It's the word declared. God says something that has never been true about the sinner before, he or she is now righteous before him. Now, in justification, God sees us and he relates to us as not guilty. Why? Because he declared it to be so. We didn't do anything to make ourselves righteous. We never put into any evidence that we were righteous and not guilty of any of our sins. We couldn't. That evidence simply doesn't exist. If anything, all the evidence stands against us. And what God did as a judge declaring from his bench to bring about this change in status was to transfer to us the credit of Christ's righteousness from his own merits of his perfectly lived life and he removed from us our demerits of an imperfectly lived life. So, imagine that you are a city worker, for example, and your job is to go down into the sewer system under the city, and after a long week, without ever changing your work clothes, what do you think you would be like, or even smell like? Well, think of being declared righteous as having your dirty work clothes, filthy uh, from the city sewers, taking, taken off of you and replaced by the most expensive men's suit in the world. And that suit happens to be a Stuart Hughes diamond edition costing $778,000. Or the most expensive gown for women, an Alexander McQueen dress like the one that Kate Middleton wore when she married Prince William. It might cost a mere Four hundred thousand. So there's a picture of justification like this, right out of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, and here's the scene in chapter three. Then the angel showed me Josiah, or I'm sorry, Joshua, uh, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and the accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua, and the Lord said to Satan. I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing uh, was filthy as he stood there before the angel. And so the angel said to the others who were standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. And then I said, they shall also place a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean priestly turban on the head, on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Now notice, the accuser, Satan, he is standing there, but he's no longer involved in this scene. God's declaration of justification made him angry and so he rejected him and he's out of the equation. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has done a miracle for you. He has declared you to be something that you could never have been on your own, righteous in his sight. It's a legal declaration, just like the scene in Joshua, the high priest. Joshua did nothing. He stood before the Lord in his filthy clothes and in his sins, and God did all the work despite the yapping condemnation of Satan accusing him before God. So what happens when God declares us justified in a sight? Well, first of all, we're forgiven of all of our sins. And that might be a great blessing, but you know, in a way, it's not enough that God would forgive us of all of our sins. Uh, that In that case, we'd be morally uh, neutral. So what God does is also declare that, he, that we have Christ's righteousness as our own. He says, when I look at you, because you put your faith in my son, I see his righteousness like a new set of clothes on you. Isaiah says it this way, God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This exchange of our sin for Christ's righteousness is called an imputation, actually a double imputation. God declares the guilt and stain of my sinful disobedience removed from my life's record and declares the perfection and beauty of Christ's obedience as my own. And at the heart of the gospel is this glorious declaration by God that makes us acceptable to Him. The gospel insists that God declares us to be just, not on the basis of our actual condition of righteousness or holiness, but rather based on Christ's perfect righteousness. This stands at the heart of the gospel, and it's the ground on which the church stands or falls. If anything weakens the doctrine of Christ's righteousness as the ground of salvation, by mixing it or adding to it, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone is of no use to us. Now, if we think of justification as based on something that we are, Uh, internally, we, we would never have the confidence to say with Paul, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our acceptance by God based on Christ's perfect life, obedient death, and his powerful resurrection is our hope. Now let's turn to the question of sanctification. How do we define sanctification? Well, again, I'm gonna take from Grudem's book this definition. Sanctification is a progressive work of God and the believer that makes us free from sin and increasingly like Christ in our actual lives. We might say that sanctification is the goal of justification. Now here's the difference between the two. Justification is our legal standing with God. Sanctification is about our internal condition before God. Justification is a one-time declaration for, uh, uh, by God for all time. Sanctification is a continuous work throughout our lives. Justification is entirely God's work. Sanctification is the process in which we, as believers, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Justification says that we are perfect in this life and sanctification says that we're not perfect in this life. Now, does that sound contradictory? Well, not really. Just remember, sanctification is God's declaration that he sees us through the perfection of his son. It's his son's perfection. It's like a robe on us and that he sees us that way. Sanctification, however, is the process of change that we go through to grow up into what God says we are. Justification is the same for all Christians, but uh, sanctification is greater in some than in others. You know, No church is filled with the same level of maturity. Some old believers, uh, they have really matured. and some old believers haven't matured much. Some new believers are like newborn babies, and some be- uh, new believers are changing and growing more rapidly. So our sanctification begins at the moment of regeneration. Paul says that the washing of regeneration and the renewal in the Holy Spirit happens immediately when we are born again. A new power of spiritual life has entered into our lives that keeps us from yielding to sin. And this new power may start in very small ways, uh, but the more that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, His strength increases in us and uh, helps us to tackle our sins in more aggressive ways. So, let's ask a final question. What is the role that we have in sanctification? If we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this journey of holiness, what's that look like for us? Well, let's start with the way that the New Testament writers encourage us. They use phrases like this, yield yourselves to God as men and women who have been brought back from death to life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We are told that God who started a good thing in us like this sanctification, he will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. In a sense, this is a kind of passive obligation, we are to trust that God will do this work in us. But like Paul says in Philippians 2, we are to work out our own salvation because it is God who is at work in us. And so God works and we work on this project of growing into holiness. And there are also lots of places where Christians are encouraged to put that faith into action, strive for holiness, without which no one will see God, abstain from immorality, make every effort to grow in godly character, cleanse yourselves from every defilement of spirit and body. And we are even to help our brothers and sisters in Christ by stirring them up to love and good works. Christians put in effort, trusting that God is empowering us to put in every effort and to grow in likeness. With the power of the Spirit at work in us, we start small, but we grow stronger in building new habits of holiness, patterns of living, uh, like J.I. Packer once called, living convertedly. In other words, living up to our high calling in Christ. That high calling is to develop a character that loves the things that God loves, and hates the things that God hates. Growth in holiness affects every aspect of our personhood. It affects our intellect, because our new nature is being renewed in the knowledge of God. It affects our emotions. Uh, We will see the fruit of the spirit of Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. These characteristics begin to sprout and and they show up in our lives. And it affects our will, because we are increasingly inclined to obey the Lord out of love for God, and that non-physical part of us, our spirit, it'll be cleansed in sanctification from every defilement and make holiness perfect in the fear of the Lord. Now there's, there's even a promise of an effect in our physical bodies. Paul even says it. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you holy and make your spirit and your body uh, be kept to be kept in sound and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we become more sanctified in our bodies, our bodies are set apart for God and we become more useful servants and more responsive to the will of God and the desires of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we'll continue to age. Look at this. But we will age graciously. We become more determined to refuse to let sin reign in our mortal bodies and to treat our bodies with care, recognizing that they now belong to the Holy Spirit who is at work through us in this life. Well, there are no shortcuts in this process towards holiness. It will sometimes be very painful. Sometimes there'll be victories. They might come easily, and other times uh, they may not come at all but we keep struggling, we keep striving, and when the Lord calls us home through that door of death, we will be perfected as Christ is perfect. And then, no more striving, no more failure, no more fits and starts, but a steady and uninterrupted walk in a world of perfect love. Now if you have ever seen those sleek looking bullet trains in Japan, these trains that travel 200 to 250 miles an hour and they ride as smooth as glass, justification and sanctification work together that way, like those bullet trains. Look, justification is the engine that pulls the train and there's no separation, there's no seam between the engine and all of the cars. In justification, we are declared righteous. And out of that declaration grows the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit to make us into the sons and daughters of the most holy God. What a wonderful thing God is doing in our lives when he calls us to this work of sanctification. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks for watching and thanks to Steve Dian, also God's Workshop of Holiness uh, with me as we stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You'll be of good cheer.